Okay. Cool. 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 All right, everybody. We're starting. And I'm doing announcements. Oh. I'm big. I'm black. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. I'm not Carlo. I am. Oh. No, you're not. I'm black. Just joking. I actually really miss uh, like Carlisle and his announcements. So there is prayer. Oh, prayer too, right? Prayer. We are switching to Saturdays before CT. So come on out. Let's pray. 4 p.m. Basic Christianity is going to be starting up if you are interested or just. Can I still sign up? I think you can take yeah, it. Yeah. Have you mastered that class? I feel like I, I was literally today when I saw the post, I was like, I wonder if I should just audit that, but I don't think I have time. But LTC coming up too. Yeah. I'm not auditing that. I'm done with that. So LTC is coming up. Apologetics. I no, I think it's apologetics. Sports apologetics. So that is coming up. That's also a good question. Like when? This when the LTC apologetics. When oh, is it coming up? Twenty second of February. Yeah. Yep, I'm terrible at announcements. What else? FST is next weekend. Okay, Lindsay Beach. Um, I need to know if you guys are coming for overnight and dinner by the first. And if you are just coming for the day, you can let me know up to the fourth. So is anybody here staying overnight? I think. Oh, okay. The three of us can. Okay, so we're going. We're taking Mila. Can we talk later? Sure. Okay. Um, and then what else we got? Oh, the women's cell. We announced that we're splitting. We put that out there. We're not going to discuss it right now. But if you guys have questions. Bring them to me, Angie, or Erica. It's in Facebook Messenger. Facebook so Messenger. And your, it's like your old son group, basically. Excellent. Just yeah. like <laughs> um, And I think that that might be it. Like a very you did pretty good. You did great. We're starting. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my own my own thing. You did it. It's not, you did it's it. not working. God, I wish I had your energy. <laughs> We're going to be uh, continuing in Romans tonight. Um, if you were here last week, you know that um, Craig went through verse 17, chapter 1, verse 17 of Romans. We're going to be picking up tonight in verse 18. We've got three verses to go over tonight, 18, 19, and 20. Um, before we start, would someone like to pray for us? Lord, I thank you that we are able to be here tonight, and I just pray for the weather to hold out. I know that some people, like Bob, have um, a little bit longer than all of us to travel. So I just pray that we can um, invite you into this meeting and pray for Angie. And I'm glad that we can know. We can know you. So thank you. Yeah, yeah Lord, thank you uh, that... Uh, Erica and uh, Craig opened up their house to us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the teachers that we have that uh, always present your word very yeah. well. So I just give you thanks for that, Lord. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm so thankful we can get together today. Um, pray for the people that aren't here. That um, <clears throat> you would be convicting um, them of your righteousness and your truth here. Mm-hmm. Even as, as they're not here today, but that you still would work in them and through them. Um, and I pray for us that are here, Lord. I pray that as we get into your word, that you would let it talk to us. Mm-hmm. That, that our hearts would be open to you, that we would um, look at this today as if it was the first time we've seen it, and we would mm-hmm. be open to hearing from you. Uh, I pray that your word would get into us, Lord, that, that um, it would make change in our hearts. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, God, I, I do thank you that you um, love us so much that you want us to get to know you more and more intimately. Thank you that you reach us wherever we're at and that. Um, you would just be speaking clearly through tonight to um, demonstrate your um, message of love and hope. I want to pray too for our friend Paula who is at home tonight with her foot after surgery. Lord, I pray for healing there and I pray that she would get some relief from that pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, as I said, we're going to be starting with uh, verse 18 going through 20. Oh, all right. Actually, sorry. We're going to go back to where we ended last week. This is where we ended last week with verse 17. Can someone read verses 16 and 17? Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, uh, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it in righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, for the righteous man shall live by faith. Okay, thanks. And so Craig ended verse 17, and the question he gave to us at the end of that teaching was, do you live by faith? It's the answer to the question, how can we be acceptable to God? And that is through faith. Okay, right? So we ended last week talking about faith and trusting God, and now, as we begin this week, Paul is going to be talking about the flip side of that, distrust and lack of faith and lack of belief. Here are our verses for tonight. Could someone read 18 through 20? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible, invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Okay, looking again at verse 18, what Paul is talking about here is, are people who push the truth away from themselves. I sense where this was headed, I didn't like it, I suppressed it, I will deliberately not think about it. Why would someone want to do that? Well, there are many reasons, or there may only be one reason, and we'll get to that later. But, so wow, okay, the first thing we're talking about here is the wrath of God. That's the first negative note that's been heard in this letter. But it's a very necessary note because it introduces the passages that follow that tell us why we need Jesus in our lives and why we need the gospel. And that is because we need the gospel because people everywhere are suffering from the wrath of God. God's wrath. That's a concept that turns people off, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is. What do you think of when you think of the wrath of God? 
um, pain. I think it's probably what I deserve. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is, but that that is like a Christian perspective. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. No, I agree. Yeah. And I, this is for me. This is hard. I I grew up with you know the foundation, growing up in a Christian home. So it, it's hard to kind of like think think about the wrath of God because I've always known the flip side of God's grace and His loving kindness of His death on the cross. So when I think of but when I think about people that don't know him, it, it's mm -hmm. scary. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is scary. People think of uh, judgment mm -hmm. and punishment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But that's because we equate the wrath of God as being the same as human anger, and it's not. God's wrath is meant to save and to reveal. <clears throat> we don't appreciate, I think, just how much God protects us from the full effects of our rebellion. Mm -hmm. But there are times when God's wrath is revealed. Um, the wrath of God is revealed in human history and, and uh, in human experience. I think sometimes about, like, people don't like to hear about the wrath of God. So they, um, because the wrath of God can be terrible, and we can see that in instances like, I think of like the Hitler and the Nazis and what they did. And people equate that somehow, they're like, how, why would God permit such evil in the world? But, but what they don't understand is that the, the people wanted Hitler. Mm -hmm. The people wanted Hitler. Mm -hmm. Despots and, and dictators and evil rulers don't arise in a vacuum. So in effect, people are getting what they wanted. And God is saying, okay, in your rebellion, this is people in rebellion. This is what rebellion against God looks like. And God is saying, okay, now you will see the wrath. That's when we see the wrath of God. We also see it in our personal lives. Um, last week, Craig talked about his, shared his testimony, so I'm just gonna give you guys a little bit of mine too, because that was really impactful when he did that. So, I mean, my personal testimony is, I, I was in rebellion against God. I wasn't an atheist. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of believed in God, but I was doing my own thing, and I was going through it, and I, I had it all figured out and I was living my life failing spectacularly, failing spectacularly on every level that you can think of. But I was determined that I was gonna do this my way, that I didn't need God in my life to do this. And God, and I say this in a funny way and people laugh, like God kept knocking me on my butt. He knocked me on my butt time and time and time again. But, and it's a funny thing to say it that way, but it wasn't funny to experience it. It was painful and it was hard to have everything that I believed in and everything that I held on to so dearly ripped away from me because I was in rebellion against God, okay? It was painful and it was hard and that's experiencing the wrath of God and that's God's love through that. So the rest of verse 18 reveals the cause of God's wrath and he says, um, it, it's caused by the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what is godlessness? And like I just said, it's not necessarily atheism. I wasn't an atheist when I was going through this stuff. You know, I mean, I kind of sort of knew there was a God, but I acted as though he didn't exist. And besides, I didn't want to do what he wanted me to do, right? I mean, as far as I was concerned, he didn't really have anything to do with my life. 
<clears throat> that is how we end up suppressing the truth that we know. So it is possible to believe in God and still have moments when we think, desire, speak, or act as if God doesn't exist or that we are more important than him. God's wrath is a warning, God's loving warning. Because here we are in a world where truth from, truth from God is just breaking out all around us, but people are busy covering this up, hiding it, suppressing it, and keeping it from being dominant in our lives. And before we start pointing fingers and going, how can people do that? Why would they do that? Let's acknowledge that we still do this, right? There's still a tendency to put God in his box as a part of our lives, and it sometimes takes the loving wrath of God to shake us up, to look at those hard things, to acknowledge God's sovereignty in our lives. And again, I'm not saying that's easy to do. That's hard to do because I want to do what I want to do, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. And I must have misunderstood what God is saying. You know, I rationalize my actions. I will, in fact, suppress the truth. So regardless of what we say or believe, we still are made in God's image and we must live in God's universe. And when we suppress the truth and rebel against reality, this doesn't change reality. It just damages us. Ultimately, we have to answer the same question Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? In reality, Pilate was not at all interested in that answer in Christ's claim or his definition of truth. Have you guys known people like this? Have you been a person like this? Or like people, oh, tell me about this, but they don't really want to know the truth. Are you currently a person like this? Are you currently a person like this? That's right. <clears throat> Why? Because we're sure we already know all the answers. They're sure they already know all the answers. So, going on then, verse 19 says that what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. God has made it plain to them. God has made it plain even to me. So I told, I shared with some of you that studying for this teaching was so intimidating to me because all the teachings I listened to and all the things I read were really science-y. Like, mm -hmm. And I am not science-y at all. It's like I don't know anything about physics or astronomy or molecular biology. I don't know any of that stuff. My son tries to tell me math jokes, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So, but God makes himself known to us whether we are PhDs or grade school children. It doesn't matter. God will make himself known to us. Because of this, people are without excuse. Even if you don't have a PhD, even if you've never seen the Bible, you're without excuse. You know God. We know God is there. This passage that Paul has written is an argument from design. That is, you look at the universe and you come to the conclusion that the existence of life had to be by design. Okay? It's the argument that God's existence is demonstrable from the evidence of design in nature. The argument for design starts with the major premise that where there is design, there must be a designer. The minor premise is the existence of design throughout the universe and the conclusion is that there must be a universal designer. The major premise is a big one. Where there's design, there must be a designer. Why do we believe this? 
because it's evident and everyone admits this practice. Let me illustrate. Uh -oh. Right? You guys know what this is? I can't see it. It's a baby Yoda. It's a baby Yoda. <laughs> and it's made out of Legos. Wow. Assembled? Well, let me tell you a story. Every Christmas I get my boys and now my daughter-in-law in their stocking a little Lego packet of things. And every Christmas they take that box out and they take all those pieces out. And Terry, it's the damnedest thing. They throw those pieces up in the air now sometimes it takes a hundred times, <laughs> sometimes it's right away, but eventually we get a baby Yoda. It's about 1.5 trillion times. All right, you're too smart for that. How about this uh, thing that we hear often? If you, if you place a million monkeys in front of a million typewriters for a million years, one of them will eventually type out Hamlet by chance. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. No, that's so. not a proof. I don't think it, you know, but, but I don't know. It's not provable, but that's not the important part. The important part of that is when you read the text of Hamlet, you do not immediately go to, this must have been done by a million monkeys in front of a million diapers and come out by chance. No, you know the truth. We know that Hamlet was written by an intelligent being, arguably Shakespeare, yeah. by an intelligent being for a purpose. And it takes a willful suppression of the truth to get to the monkey chance explanation. Here are some things we know. The universe seems to have been specifically designed from the beginning for human life to evolve. We know that if the temperature of the primal fireball that resulted from the Big Bang some 15 to 20 billion years ago had been a trillionth of a degree colder or hotter, the carbon molecule that is the foundation of all organic life could never have developed. Boy, are we lucky. Wait a minute. That's all by chance. Look. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's chance. It's, oh, it's got to be all chance. to me. Somebody had something in mind here. What does that say? Sounds, sounds suspiciously <laughs> like a plot. Okay. There is something called the anthropic principle that I'm just going to discuss briefly. The anthropic principle is the, a law of human existence. <clears throat> it says that we know that our existence in the universe depends on numerous cosmological constants and parameters whose numerical values must fall within a very narrow range of values. If even a single variable were off, even slightly, we would not exist. This is the anthropic principle, that the universe appears to have been fine-tuned for our existence. Now, I am going to read something to you. I wasn't able to summarize this, so I'm just going to read this as it is, because it's pretty good. This is about the anthropic principle. Consider protons, for example. Protons are the positively charged subatomic particles which, along with neutrons, form the nucleus of an atom around which negatively charged electrons orbit. Whether by providence or fortuitous luck, depending on your perspective, 
protons just happen to be 1,836 times larger than electrons. If they were a little bigger or a little smaller, we would not exist because atoms could not form the molecules we required. So how did protons end up being 1,836 times larger than electrons? Why not 100 times larger or 100,000 times? Why not smaller? Of all the possible variables, how did protons end up being just the right size? Was it luck or contrivance? Or how is it that protons carry a positive electrical charge equal to that of the negatively charged electrons? If protons did not balance electrons and vice versa, we would not exist. They are not comparable in size, yet they are perfectly balanced. Did nature just stumble upon such a propitious relationship? Or did God ordain it <coughs> for our sakes? So also, just there are many, many examples of uh, the anthropic principle. I'm just going to give you three. Earth's atmosphere. If there were too much of just one of the many gases which make up our atmosphere, our planet would suffer a runaway greenhouse effect. On the other hand, if there were not enough gases, life on this planet would be devastated by cosmic radiation. Earth's magnetic field. If, we, if it were much weaker, our planet would be devastated by cosmic radiation. If it were much stronger, we would be devastated by severe electromagnetic storms. Earth's place in the solar system. If we were much further from the sun, our planet's water would freeze. If we were much closer, it would boil. So these are just three examples of the numerous examples that we can see in nature. So in a nutshell then, the argument for, from design says this. The presence of design impl whoops, implies the presence of a designer. Okay, we know, number one, we know this intuitively, right? We all recognize design and purpose. If I show you some object and you don't know what it is, you're unfamiliar with it, one of your first questions is going to be, what's it for? What do you do with it? Right? Mm -hmm. Second, our world manifests the presence of design. We talked about the anthropic principle, and there's lots of other information out there that I didn't touch on, but I think it's safe to say that we know there's an extremely high level of design in our world. Contrast this with something else that I read about called the abiogenesis theory. Now this theory states that life can come from non-life and that somehow in the early history of the earth, a living cell was formed by accidental natural causes. <laughs> now, I know. It was from the primordial soup. I, yeah, I'm not going because I don't understand it, so I'm not going to go into the complexity of the DNA code and why this is an unbelievable theory. But I will tell you that the scientists who propound this theory recognize the implausibility. Their explanation is this: We don't have one yet, but we'll study it till we do. Even though everything they know leads them to a creator, they will ignore that and keep looking for something that fits within their paradigm. That is willful suppression of the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, doesn't it take some faith for... To be an atheist? To be an atheist. I know, Honestly, almost. Yeah. I know. So, um... I have friends that are there, though. I know. I was thinking about your friends when I was studying for this. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we can see from the, I mean, we can see, we know from the smallest cellular level to the size and the vastness of the universe, they are, these are sure signs of design. And the chances of all these things happening by chance, they're about as good as throwing those Legos up and getting Baby Yoda. <laughs> Okay, so we've got one and two, our world manifests the presence of design. Therefore, a designer exists. Here's where the willful suppression of the truth comes in. Truth isn't some vague, invisible, difficult thing to comprehend. Um, so I know I've been talking about science stuff and I'm not a scientist, but for me, one of the most object lessons came up from just a little experience I had at the KSU Planetarium. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a planetarium, but you gotta go. It is so awesome. So the KSU Planetarium, you're there and they do these different shows like the night sky and they show, I mean, it, it, your mind is really blown away about how the order of the universe and just, and then they get to the end of the show and you're laying back in your seat and you're looking up at this vast array of stars in the night sky and it's incomprehensible that there could be that many stars and that you know, that order could be in the universe, and then the guy comes over and the microphone, whatever, thing, and he says, those aren't stars, those are galaxies. And wow. then your mind just explodes <laughs> because you're blown away by them being stars, but to think that each of those is a galaxy mm. is incomprehensible. That's just mm. what we can see. And that's just what we can see. Mm. Or consider this quote from the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, who, which I've long loved. Earth's crammed with heaven, in every common bush aflame with God, but only those who see take off their shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck back blackberries. Mm. So we can do that, we can see, or we can just sit round it and pluck blackberries. Mm. I guess my point is you don't need to be a genius to acknowledge and be in awe of our creator and designer. Finally, then, the fourth thing is that a designer exists, and such a designer must be sufficient to account for the design. It must have a, an intellect, a vast intelligence. Um, I did read this quote from this English uh, physicist, mathematician, and astronomer whose name is Sir James Jeans. And he said, the more you study it, the universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. Idea. The idea? Again? Yeah. The more you study it, the universe begins to look more like a great thought than a great machine. I mean, I just think that's a wonderful concept that our universe is a great thought. God's great thought. So, our designer must have intellect. He must have will and intent, purposefulness. He did this for a purpose must be capable of forethought. He must have a personality. That is, he must be a personal being, not a principle or a thing. That sounds like God to me. Mm -hmm. So, men are without excuse. No one who really wants to know God can miss him. Hebrews puts it this way. Can someone read that? He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the true rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Thanks, Bob. So two things are necessary. First, we must believe that God is there, and everything in our life is telling us that. We have to work hard to convince ourselves otherwise. Then, 
We must diligently seek him. And God promises that if we seek after him, he will give further light, and that light will eventually lead to his son. God tells us so here. Someone read that? I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. And then in Jesus' own words here in Luke. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So, having traveled down this philosophical road, what can we know about God? What are these invisible qualities or attributes? Well, we know, we can see that God wants to know us. He made it simple to know him. God loves us. He's given us beauty and life, and even in his wrath, we will come to know his love for us. We have a God who is personal and moral, intelligent and powerful. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 20 again. So Paul is talking here about the evidence of God's existence. God's invisible qualities will be understood from what has been made and we've talked about external evidence so far, but there's also internal evidence of God. We also have that. We seem to have these built-in spiritual needs, like, like the questions of purpose and significance in our lives, the need for forgiveness and acceptance. We have a need to love others and to be loved. We have a need for personal love relationships. We have a desire for justice. How about free will? That's just an illusion. Why do we value that? We believe in human value and equality, that there is something inherently valuable about people. But if you take God out of the equation, that doesn't make sense. Where do these things come from? How does that three-year-old who says, that's not fair, even get that? <laughs> and, and how are we able to love the unlovable? And I'm not talking about loving evil people here. I'm talking about loving that newborn baby who robs you of sleep, time, money, and your life. How do you love that? And yet we do. Well, a materialist might say that's biological or neurological or psychological, kind of a keeping the species alive sort of thing. But where did that come from? You know, the idea that keeping another human being alive has value. We are able to love the unlovable because it comes from God. Because God is love. We also have a moral code. Even atheists have a moral code. Where'd that come from? And it can't just be a social construct here because those things change. And that whole whatever benefits mankind idea doesn't work as a moral code because people in societies have different ideas about what that might be. Nazis that they were benefiting society as a whole, didn't they? I mean, at least their society. And here's a thought. Every choice we make is a moral choice on some level. How many choices do we make a day, Terry? There you go. 10,000 choices a day. Or how about the afterlife? Another built-in spiritual meaning. And, and this is something we've seen throughout human history. We, we've seen this manifest itself. We've got ritual burials. We've got belief in some sort of afterlife. We have a realization that the greatest tragedy in life is death because we were meant to live forever. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. 
That's where that comes from. We know. That's what we know, isn't it? We know. Right? God has given us lots of external evidence and internal evidence to know that he exists. But God is not just about general revelation, which is what we've been talking about here. He also gives us special revelation. He actually wants to speak into our hearts, and he's given us his word to do that. So I'm going to end tonight with um, a passage from Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, as you probably know, was sent to the Jewish people by God to reveal to them the cause of the misery they were going through. The problem was that they had turned their back on God in rebellion. And one of the problems Isaiah confronts is, why are the people so blind to the goodness and mercy of God? And what happens when there is a persistent refusal to acknowledge God? What does happen? Trouble. The wrath of God happens. That's God trying to wake his people up. And here's God's answer to his people. Someone read that? Come, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. It couldn't be any plainer. God is knocking on our doors. Come, let us reason together. He knows our sin. He knows our shortcomings. He offers a solution. And that can only happen in relationship with Jesus. So if you're looking for a change in your life and wondering why things aren't working out, here's God saying, come on, let's talk about it. Get to know me. If you have a relationship with Christ, well, we can still struggle with doing what God wants, right? Or accepting what he's doing in our lives. And again, here he is saying, let's reason together. What do you know about me? Can you think I don't want good for you? Can you not believe my love for you in any circumstance? Craig ended last time with a question. Are you living by faith? And I like that because it gave me something to think about over the week. Right? Am I living by faith? Am I living by faith? I don't know. So I, here are my ending questions for you. Is there an area in your life where you are deliberately suppressing the truth about God or what God is saying? And can you think about what you know about God and take solace in that, even in the middle of your troubles? That's it. And those are tough questions, so I'm not expecting the answers tonight. You can if you want, but... Did you write them down on, the, on a slide? No. Oh, oh. I should have, huh? You should have. <laughs> that was lengthy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I could. I, I, Can you repeat that? Yeah. Is there an area in your life where you are deliberately suppressing the truth about God or what God is saying? Can you think about what you know about God and take solace in that, even in the middle of your troubles? <laughs> Can you post those? I will. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we find that like on Facebook to do that? Where is that? Our, yeah. If you don't mind posting that. I don't mind. And then I have to learn how to get on Facebook to do that. <laughs> you don't know? I'm yeah. a little challenged. Me too. Really, I don't know how to. What's our, our website for that, Facebook? ABS. ABS? So I go on with the little uh, spyglass yep. or the... Yep. And you go oh, ABS? Yep. I think all ABS. 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 I think somebody's right here, but 
So it's a good thing what uh, Lauren said about that, because I was just going to ask you to do this teaching all over again <laughs> for a second time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much. Yeah, it's recorded. It's I'll, I'll, I'll look for it like that. Okay. You don't have to be sciencey to understand this. Yes. Oh, yeah. A lot of times when I talk to people about this, they get all wound up and stuff, but we don't talk about evolution. Animals walking out of the woods. Talk to anybody, and I can look at them and say it didn't happen once, but twice. Because you have to have male and female to procreate. <laughs> what are the possibilities of that? That's a good answer, John. <laughs> That's a really good answer. And there are so many different things talking to different people yeah. about what they believe and what they don't believe in. Because a lot of times I'll run into people that they believe in God, but they just don't know who God is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they can't fathom the fact that God would actually punish us, you know, for being stupid or wrong right. or pushing him for away. Except, it, as we can see here, there is no excuse. Of course you know. You, you are, del it's like, it's like the question, the Pontius Pilate question, or the questions friends will ask, you know, I will have conversations with family members, like they want to know, but they already have their minds made up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They already, they already know, they're not really questioning. Well, one of the big things would be as we walk around with a veil on all the time, we can't see, we don't walk into it with open eyes. Uh, and I'm if you're not willing to look and to listen, you will never figure it out. Unless God, that's, not, unless God knocks you on your butt. And that's what a lot of times what has to happen. <coughs> for me. I mean, so I sent my friend Rana um, an apologetics teaching by Ben Stewart that I just I thought was phenomenal. And we had a, she watched like five minutes of it. And we had to have a discussion, and it was a hard discussion. And then she finally agreed to watch the rest of it. And we got, we did get together afterwards, and she was like, I think all that stuff, a lot of that stuff can be explained. And then she said, just what you're saying, and I also think the things that I can't explain, that doesn't mean that we won't be able to explain them in 50 years. So it's, it, I was like, so you believe in the God of science? And she was like, absolutely. That's, if I have to call him a God, that's what I would call it. It's the God of science. But yet, science. So, but is she, a God of science. But she too, is a though, person, like you God, said. Like, oh. She is not willing. She's mm -hmm. not yes. seeking. Yes. You yes. know, that's what has become evident <clears throat> in talking to her. And that's just where she's at right now. And we've, mm -hmm. you know. As you have stated, with a lot of scientists, they will get to a certain point. And if they don't like the answer mm -hmm. that it's leading them to, mm -hmm. they will go down another path. Even though that path mm -hmm. will push them down the same one. It's astonishing to me, like like just like the stuff I was reading for this, it's like how do you get to that point? 
of, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't be astonished. I was at that point, and I, but I, mm -hmm. these are really smart people. But <laughs> no, yeah, we're living in 2023, mm -hmm. and there are people choosing to believe the world is flat. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Smoke another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's shame. It's a belief, I know. which is really yes. weird. So, you know the comment you made about um, Nazi Germany um, wanted, like basically wanted Hitler, and that kind of stuff doesn't have, happen in a vacuum. Well, my, my dad is from Germany, and my Oma, who I went and saw last weekend, um, you know, survived that. She saw her best friend die. She stepped on a landmine. You know, there's just like, whatever. But she has, I think it's hard to talk about all of that, but there's been little, there's been a little bit of stories here and there. And one thing she said that when, I mean, this was in her youth, right? And she said that the youth loved Hitler. You got an outfit, you, I mean, it was like everybody was doing that. So, I mean, Propaganda. it was appealing. Yeah. And appealing. Her, she said that her parents were like, absolutely not, like, no. But it was like, there was this drop, there was a draw to him. Definitely. People were, he made a lot of promises. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I think that, like, ultimately, though, <coughs> the Lord, I think, also draws us in, but he, but he's a good, he's a good leader. He's a leader that I, I yeah, and I, that I want to follow. But I think, too, Following him is also having a lot of compassion for people that, that don't, don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then... Don't, that don't want to follow him? Yeah, yeah. or but just like how do you navigate, because like sometimes you can like see though, like as you pray for Rana, like there's mm -hmm. a, maybe a little bit, a little, a little bit, chunk. like God is a little chipping chunk. away yeah. at her heart and that is the prayer like eventually that she you know and i i read her book it's mm -hmm. wild yeah yeah I mean, so. she had some bad experiences i'm not mm -hmm. saying she doesn't have reason yeah to be angry or, uh -huh. reason to be angry. or just yeah, yeah just all of all of that but but yeah i know god is a god that pursues and and your point about prayer is really important. I know in my case, there were so many people praying for me that I didn't even know about mm -hmm. at the time. And I, I didn't recognize what was happening to me except as suffering. I didn't recognize it as, some, as God's love. And that, took, that frankly took years mm -hmm. to get to that. But we can pray that for the people we know. Who are, who yeah. are stuck in rebellion? Yeah, stuck. I mean, there's a right. There's a spiritual element to it too, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. There's like a veil that people don't see. Um, you know, it's it's a willingness to see, but it's also there's a spiritual entity that doesn't want people to see. Right. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who plays on that pride and mm -hmm. that thing too? So yeah, I think what people are saying is good. Like pray. I mean, all we can do is pray for the people. Yeah. Be willing to have the conversations like you're having and be gentle and kind and loving. But I think, like you're saying, Angie, it's helpful to remember that we came from a similar point. Um, you know, so, 
you know, it's not that we are better or something like that. It's right. and it's not that we don't still struggle now. Right. Know, right. That either. It's like a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of how to say that. I think it's really easy to, and I don't think we're doing that here, um, but it's easy for me to feel like, okay, well, I know now, so I'm smarter or something like that than other people who don't know or they think they're so smart. And I'm, you know what I mean? It's easy to get into that attitude, and it's like, that doesn't, I don't think that that helps. It then to does be, require humility yeah. yeah to be okay I only know because I feel like God showed me he like pursued me right mm-hmm. if I would have just been doing my stupid thing I would have still been doing my stupid thing and I still do my stupid thing a lot so right. <laughs> um, one, of, one of the opportunities that Carrie and I had a couple weeks ago was um, to apologize to our son-in-law mm-hmm. uh, about couple different things actually but one major one was me in particular talking to him trying to get into spiritual conversations with him quite a few times I just get frustrated with him and I'm just like you're wrong you are wrong and I had to apologize for that because I'm not doing what this Isaiah passage talks about which I do love about this passage too is Let's talk about it together to come up with a rational explanation that we can both agree on. And if we close down communication, we cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to apologize and tell him that. I would love to continue to have conversations with you about That's awesome. spiritual schools. That's great, yeah. Is that humility? Is mm-hmm. that you got for people? Yeah. I, I know, I think that, um, it's definitely, I think that, like, I loved your question, your questions at the end, and um, it made me think about, like, in my life, where, so, like, background, became a Christian when I was, like, 10, and then didn't understand a bunch of things, had a bunch of questions, and was like, okay, cool, I'm going to be an atheist, tried that for two weeks, didn't work because of some of the science things. Um, which I think is really funny now, but then I kind of was like, okay, well, I don't know who God is, though, and so I didn't have my answers, there is a God, but I don't really understand who he is. Um, got to a point in my life where I was like, Lord, I need you if you're real, prove it, um, and he did, like, that, within the next few months, I came to IP, it came to college, met IP, um, and started trying to walk. But um, I think even in, it wasn't until like splitting from uh, Smash into Stout that um, there was some real freedom. Like, yes, I understood, like I started to really understand who God was, but um, there was like this suppression of truth that I was still living out. Um, I think really specifically, like, I had a lot of stuff with, like, being like, I gotta prove that I am worthy of love. Let me show you how great I am. So I will do all of the things and be really great in ministry and all this and that. Um, but I'm not great at playing the game. I'm not good at hiding things. So people could kind of tell what was going on. Um, 
And so I lost all of like my leadership roles, lost everything because it was like, Lindsay, you're just being a real big proud jerk. Mm. Um, and uh, I felt like that was, I think that was God's wrath, yeah. but in such a good way because um, it like, I had to go and reason with God, like me and him personally, like, mm. okay, I'm gonna pray through this. God, are you even here? Is this you? What's happening? Um, and through that time, it was really hard and really emotional, but I grow so close with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I got to learn that, like, He just loves me. And I don't have to prove that I'm good enough. He loves me because He says He loves me, because He chose me, because He created me, mm-hmm. not because I serve Him in X, Y, or Z way. Like, those are bonus things that he's like, I delight in that, but that doesn't make or break my love for you. Uh, Which was so freeing. And I think that that's something that, like, I think that's a really good question that you asked. Because I think it can be so easy when, like, all the science and that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, okay, can you see that God is real? But then can you see these truths about who God is and how he loves you and how he's personally very much involved in your life and he, you know, like, nothing is accidental. Um, And so I think that that, just for, like, our own personal walks, that's something that's really cool to reflect on and see. And, like, it's so, I think it's funny now because I'm here, like, as you're talking about it, like, you experience God's wrath because you're suppressing the truth. And for me, it was that his truth was that he loved me so much. And it's like, oh, that's so silly. That's so... Because I want to prove it. I, I want to prove, prove myself it. to him. But he's like, but... I want to earn it. Right. And it, it's just so kind that, like, this wrath wasn't meant... You were talking about how, like, his wrath is really loving. And I think that could be really hard to like wrap your head around. But I'm like, I look back and I'm like, all of that pain that I went through was so worth it because I can be so much more free. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, I just wanted to share that in case anybody else is like feeling that or going through that or thinks about those questions and is like, I don't know, or doesn't doesn't want to think about those questions because... But you see, you, you did the two things that were that were described in that Hebrews passage. So you you believed God and then you diligently sought him. So, mm-hmm. right, you, you did... We fought, too. Yeah. It was a lot of fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but you were coming to Russell. him. But you were yeah. coming to him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a question. Okay. Slash clarification, I guess. Yeah. Like, I know that we definitely, especially as sons and daughters of God receive God's discipline and I know that once we've received his forgiveness we do not receive his wrath so like that's a compliment and I'm, sh- yep. I'm pretty sure they're different do, yep. like is yep. there a distinction I think that-, that this is not the kind of wrath okay. you're talking about that's, like, totally there that is God's wrath like, I think like, like, yeah, yeah, God's wrath and you're talking so, about like, eternal <laughs> damnation and yeah. God's wrath that's not what yeah and like totally in the Old here. Testament he had wrath all over the Jews, which is pre, you know, right. the death on, death on yep. the cross. And so, like, okay, I'm just like, it sounds like, at least in your example, that discipline and wrath were, like, kind of Although, synonymous, I but I'm like, I, I think contextually, know. it's probably talking about not, 
like non-believers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that who act like there's Because that God. definitely was like an ongoing. A believer like, can't yeah, act like that for very long. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And just like, if he's in any sense, like, or any duration, pouring out his wrath on you as someone who's fully forgiven, that would be contradictory. But it, and it, you know, totally understand that like, hell is his wrath, so like, yeah. sure, absolutely, it's not that he's not wrathful. But that verse was like, he is pouring out, or whatever it was. Well, he is like continuing. <laughs> and still be in rebellion, though. You can, right, but you right. can't receive condemnation. You can't receive condemnation. Correct. So like, but, yeah. yeah, it's just I just no, was hearing it kind of synonymously. I'm like, I, I know that's not what they're saying, but like, you know. I think he says that his wrath is poured out on unbelievers who suppress the truth. Right. This is explicitly right. held. Right. Those who yeah. not have belief at all. Did you re- memorize Romans two? Wasn't it? No, that was John. Oh, that was John. You were memorizing the first seven chapters of Romans or something like that. I think that you're right. Like, I was using those words. Oh, and like, that's fine. But, like, also, you know. I think, I mean, similar thing can happen to a a believer who goes and does their own thing. Yeah, and. If the consequences are very similar, the consequences that. you know, as you read on in this passage, I'm pointing there, like Romans is up there, but the consequences are like God just gives them over and just lets yeah. them do what they want to do. 100%. So that's like a lot of times the consequences yes. for believers. You're like, yeah. okay, you want to go do your own thing, do your own thing, yeah. and see where yeah. that gets you. It doesn't yeah. really lead you anywhere good. Yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, you're you're right. There, there is a distinction between. Were you at CT when I got up and spoke? Yeah. So. The whole premises behind that was, I've been a Christian for a really long time, but I just did my own thing. Yeah. I didn't stop. He gave me all the truths that I needed, but I took grace to a whole nother level. (laughs) (laughs) And then suffered the consequences of what I did. Yeah. But I was angry at God for it. Yeah. Because of what I did. He didn't do anything I did. But the consequences of my own actions put me in a circumstance of, okay, well, now you're screwed. What are you going to do now? Which is loving. Like, of him to allow that, you know. It's like, you want your free will. And that was one of the things that I was actually going to say, is a leader will actually speak the truth to you, mm-hmm. allow you to make your own decisions, and then give you what you want. Mm-hmm. You can walk away, or you can stay with him, and God <clears throat> does just that. Yeah. But the consequences of our own actions a lot of times seems like a wrath from God, yeah, or sure. discipline from God, yeah. but and it's not. It's our own stupidity. I'm super confused that, and I'm just like, let's not, yeah. I don't want to confuse that, or like, Angie, can you pull up your uh, version of the 18 verse? I'm just, now I'm like, curious, because, oh, I'm like, yeah, I think you can probably arrow, like back arrow. Oh, I can? I'm guessing. Yeah. To the left, yeah. There you go. We go all the way to, you want the whole passage? I think it was the very first one. I'm like, uh, okay, there. It's a, a lot of this apologetic stuff was kind of getting to reflect on, uh, like, the end of high school. Because that was, like, 2012 is when I graduated, and that was when, like, sort of the peak of the uh, sort of new wave atheist movement, where it was, like, very much bet, like, based in the facts and stuff like that. Like, 
as like an explanation for our existence and even things like our moral code, code and such. And so it was kind of interesting whenever you, inevitably because it was popular, everyone was really into it. And uh, so, you know, we, we study a lot about that and inevitably end up with a lot of conversations like that with people. But time and time again, it would come down to, you know, you could talk with someone until two plus in the morning, mm -hmm. answer plenty of questions, but then eventually something would come out like, and, you know, why did God let my mom die or something like that? And that would came out, and that's where a lot of stuff comes from, is okay. the sort of uh, fallen over we live in. Um, right. Like, and really heavily people influences people. Equate that somehow with, like, that with the wrath of God, that's not the wrath of God. No, oh, yeah, that's just uh, the world sucks, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> a little bit touch different. But, um, and that was, it's kind of interesting looking at it, you know, a decade later uh, that um, I think that the heart uh, stayed consistent, people's hearts in that, the folks might stay consistent, whereas their belief in like uh, hard cult science and nothing else waned. Because now we see like people like the new atheist movement is basically over, Everybody's and yet crystals now. Uh, people, yeah, like really? people's people's yeah. like understanding of yeah, her, and like need for like spiritual like uh, meaning and significance is still there. But pe yeah, people are getting into all this other stuff. It's still but like mainstream stores. Their like issue, but yeah, like on, in in Kent on in like Acorn Alley, you can go to like a store that sells crystals that like heal different problems in your life. Like, or like and that's the like a, bookstore a thing. in <laughs> But like the point is being that like like it's our it's a it's a it's a war for our hearts and, and obviously we need to be able to speak intelligently on this. Uh, it's it's important because especially with a lot of stigma surrounding Christians being like dumb hitch or something like that, right? But uh, like the reality is that it's, it's a it's a war over our hearts and uh, I think that just from my own graduating class, it's obvious because the same people that were like, it was kind of nice, honestly, being able to just get combative with people, not actually combative, like that they would get combative rather, mm -hmm. uh, because it was like, you can have a conversation and it's much more like, do what you want to do, I don't care now, you know? Yeah, uh, at least the much different because the movement thing was very militant, it was very much like, you should go out and convert Christians, which was like a fine conversation to have, frankly. Well, you don't know what those people like, are gonna carry with them, <laughs> like, I. 10 years later, they might remember that conversation. Right. Yeah. Have the yeah, conversation. It, and it's time and time again, it's people, when they talk about, you know, and their baptisms or their testimony, <coughs> like what spoke to them. It's like the love that we had for them. Mm -hmm. The love that we had for them and showing what the what God had for them as well if they so chose to take it. And it's like that's like sort of, uh, as Christians, I know like my, you know, own struggle with this sort of thing where you're talking about us having this sort of knowledge and not holding it over people. And I think that our pride normally, because uh, we, I think we hit on that pretty good here, but I think our pride comes in pretty heavily where uh, things don't work when we think we're doing things right. So then we double down on it. Mm. And when that doesn't work, you kind of have to f reckon with the reality because we do so have such a focus on knowing our word and stuff like that. It's like, oh, like this probably means some uncomfortable things. Like I've been proud and self-sufficient and self-serving. <laughs> like, am I gonna like admit that to someone and right. talk that out, admit that to God? Mm -hmm. um, and usually after that is when life starts making sense again. So yeah, I don't know. That's just some things oh, that we were good. talking we about. Was bringing up in my head. 
try to ignore reality. Uh, I think I said this in there once. We can, but all that does is damage us. Yeah, yeah. Even Just, after we come to know the Lord, yeah. so we can ignore the things we already yep. have admitted are true. Talking to a lot of non-Christians too, they think that this world is God's design. Mm. We're not living in God's design anymore. Mm. And the truth is, is we are suffering God's wrath for what we did. So therefore, depending on how deep of a conversation you want right. to get in with it to them, you know, because, yeah, this world sucks, but it's because we sinned. You know, and we are no longer, we weren't supposed to die, we were supposed to live forever. Mm -hmm. We screwed that up. <laughs> so, life sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that, you're right, John, that it gets into all kinds of conversations, because the first thing people will ask then is, or say, like, I didn't do it, what did I do? <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. what did I do? But that's easy too, because have you ever done anything wrong in your entire life? Exactly. Then you're guilty. <laughs> it's good. The conversations are good, though. I have um, uh, one of my brothers, uh, at least, is a self-proclaimed atheist. He's an atheist. He will say that. But we have some good discussions. Mm -hmm. He'll at least should. let me ask. I mean, he'll at least ask questions and let me ask him questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, as long as we're that's, talking. That's mm -hmm. That's key right there. Yeah, that's keep, what blows me away, is Rana still comes to me and asks me questions, and I, I'm like, you know my perspective. Does so she like, also I'm, know that you love her? Yeah. And that's it. See, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually something that her husband has talked to me about. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What did, what did he say? Um, I can't remember where we were, but we were somewhere with Steve and Rana, and Steve and I walked off. We were just doing something together. I can't remember, but he was saying that with you, especially with Rana, um, there's no judgment and there's just openness. Mm -hmm. And Rana has actually said several times that's what she really, really uh, enjoys about having a conversation with her. And then she was like, she can tell that you care about her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonder where she thinks that desire for that kind of friendship comes from, though, yeah. that kind of relationship. <coughs> you know what I mean? We're talking about She's a very Trinity relational person. Yeah, but I wonder if she thinks that's just like a chemical thing in her body that makes her want that, or... Science. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Survival. Yeah. Survival. Survival. Stuff. Yeah. Emotion. I don't know. And it's just... Have to get sciencey on that one again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig has a coworker that thinks that way. He's like... Oh no, we just, love isn't, it's just, like you were saying, like a very sciencey, like you just, mm -hmm. no, like I'm just loving someone, so it's like survival of the fittest and stuff, and so Craig's hoping to have a conversation with him, so he had a, a boy about this in Germany, Janelle, a little son, and he had said he never wanted to have kids, and then he, got, he never wanted to be married, he got married, and now he has a, a kid, and his reasoning, his rationale is he's like, just procreate, like, Right. That's what he says, but Craig's like, you don't really believe that because here are these no. reasons, and he's like, no, I, no, I do. <laughs> like, but yeah. Wait, I'm that... just gonna be patient with you and continue having those conversations. Like, but really, if you love him, such so... feeling as a dog. I know no, that's where. Right. That's what okay, I was you thinking. don't really watch him then. Mm -hmm. if you don't really love your kid. Right. Isn't that the wrong guy? Never do anything wrong. Is that the same guy? Oh, you should ask Craig. Yeah. 
Might be. Oh no, that's a different guy. Okay. <laughs> all these cool conversations, so that's good. Mm -hmm. If he's having these conversations, with these it's, like you were saying, it's cool listening to him. He's like, I, I have these conversations. It doesn't. I don't know. I don't know my head a bit, but really, like, because he dumbs down science for me, it's very helpful. Like, mm -hmm. you put your faith into something. It's are you willing to? to discuss these things. Thank you that you allow us to do this and to um, you know, talk about you freely and to question what things we don't know. And um, In fact, you want us to do that. So I do thank you for that. God, and I just lift up the rest of this evening to you and uh, pray for safe uh, trips home for everybody. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 No. no. No, it's like a cat. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, what? What do you say? 